for this day, we play chicken, bingo, and I couldn't get it together. Uh, you know, it was a, a series of, uh, of fateful events that happened at our house this week. Seth got sick. Seth was supposed to be gone this weekend so that we could move, and that didn't happen. And so, uh, yada, yada, yada. So I do need your energy to make it through. And uh, I appreciate, though I'm going to tell you, it was a big mistake in the last service. People moved who weren't sitting where they're supposed to be sitting, and it, like, threw me off my game. (laughs) And so people are not sitting where they're supposed to be sitting, and it's thrown me off my game. So uh, forgive me for I don't know what I do. So this Chip In Sunday, we have the Mission and Ministry Fair out there. Thank you for all of those who are participating. But this is a great opportunity for you to see what's going on within your church, even if you're serving already. And and that's what makes preaching this sermon actually so hard. See, the thing is, is that we are a church that chips in already. We have so many people uh, that already serve and do a great amount of work for us. And so how do I deliver a word to you guys to possibly, well, to be honest, to do more? We're a growing church. Soon, these seats in between here, most of you are not supposed to be sitting on the back seat. Thank you, Tommy, for the encouraging word. Uh, Tim Timmons likes to remind me and tell me, are you ready? Because they're coming. Soon... Guests will fill these seats, and then those guests will turn into regular attenders, and then those regular attenders will become members. So, as is my way, I'm going to take a few stories, shoot them straight at you, and then twist them. And so if you already serve... Well, forgive me for asking you to serve again because I'm not actually asking you to serve. So I hope that you find something that encourages you, maybe has you look at things a little bit differently and is able to uh, enrich you to be able to encourage others. So we just heard uh, the story of Thomas. And I'm going to be quite honest with you folks. I do not understand why Thomas is not a bigger disciple than just that little story of doubt. We heard uh, when Ross first got here that uh, Thomas is his favorite disciple because Thomas doubts. And if he had had his way or if he would have his way, we would be changing our name from Morningstar to St. Thomas United Methodist Church because we are a congregation of doubters. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. How about a little louder? Amen? Amen? Okay, that's the kind of energy that I need. So, Thomas, we hear this story and Thomas is like, no way, Jose, don't believe it, not buying into it until he sees Jesus and actually has to, oh, like, seriously? <laughs> He sticks his finger, you know, in his hands and puts his hand in his side. And then he believes. So follow along with me here. We're in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. One day, 
Jesus was walking along the shore besides the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. And Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them to come too. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. It's a short little story. It starts off with, you know, the first disciples, and then the next heading is the ministry of Jesus in Galilee. So four verses that tell a really good story, but yet at the same time leave out oh so much. And so allow me to fill in the blanks for you. The twist. See, I see Jesus walking along the beach of the Sea of Galilee. The sun is kind of rising. It's a beautiful morning. And he sees this boat coming in. And he calls out to these guys, Hey, how was fishing? And Peter, being Peter, says, It was awful. We didn't catch a thing. And so Jesus says, Hey, well then, why don't you come with me and become a fisher of men? And I think Jesus says inside his head, it's got to be better than what I'm getting paid right now. So yeah, I'm going to go do that. And so him and his brother, they walk down the beach with Jesus. And Jesus calls out to another bunch of fishermen. Hey, how was the catch? And they were like, thinking in their heads, like it was awful. And they tell him that. And Jesus says, hey, why don't you come with me? I'll teach you how to be a fisher of men. And they too think in their heads, got paid better than what we're getting paid now. And so they follow Jesus. And then they go off on this fantastic three-year adventure where they see things, they experience things, they hear things as they've never heard, experienced, or seen before. They see, I mean, I'm sure that there's the possibility most everyone in this room has seen some kind of miracle. Experienced some kind of miracle. Big or small. Whether it's you run out of gas one mile from a gas station and you're walking down the road and all of a sudden a car just turns around from the other side of the highway, picks you up, takes you to the gas station and waits for you, takes you back to your car and goes on. Like if it was like meant to happen. That happened to me. It was a small miracle. Or some of us maybe have experienced a big miracle. Or big what we can think of in our lives. But these guys saw like a lot of miracles in three years. I mean some like raising from the dead miracles. The healing kind of type of miracles. The salvation type of kind of miracles. And I think that each time they experienced one, saw one maybe even did one, they just kind of like wondered in their own heads and minds like, what's next? How can we top that? Yet there's still something kind of nagging in the back 
of their heads. We move further along in the story with these guys. We get to uh, Matthew chapter 14, 22 through 36. Immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake where he sent the people home. This is after the feeding of the 5,000. Afterwards, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell when he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, like, I don't want to stop right there. Three o'clock in the morning? Like, who knew what time it was? I'm just wondering. Uh, Jesus came to them, walking on the water. Like, what, like Andrew's like, dear diary, it's three o'clock in the morning. No. Um, <laughs> and when the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said. I'm here. Don't be afraid. And then Jesus called out to him, Lord, if it's really you... Tell me to come to you by walking on water. All right, come, Jesus said. So Peter went out to the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And instantly Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. You don't have much faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Again, a really great story that leaves oh so much to be interpreted. Twist number two. See, I think that, yes, Jesus needed some time alone, and he tells him, go out into the boat, I'll meet you. He didn't necessarily say, I'll meet you on the other side. He just said, I'll meet you in the boat. You know, I'll meet you, meet up with you guys later. And he goes off and he prays. And then I kind of wonder about this. What kind of fishermen were these guys? And I'm going to err on the side, not very good. Okay, one, they can't seem to catch any fish. And two, they're like afraid of the waves on the water. So now to give them the benefit of the doubt... I'm wondering, like, was it really, really rough? Like waves they've never seen before? Or was it just kind of like, you know, some white caps? And they just couldn't go to sleep because it's rocking the boat. I'll let you decide that one. But there is something that we've been led to believe, which is Jesus was the only person to walk on water. And that's not necessarily true. Because, see, Peter didn't just like one, two, three walk on the water. Peter, like, was maybe yards away from the boat out on the water. And I think he had two thoughts as he's kind of doing it. You remember that first time you did something and, like, you're skiing? And you're going down the slopes and you're like, hey, I'm really doing this. And all of a sudden, you like you realize, like, I'm really doing this. And all of a sudden, like, you're out of control, like, heading for the tree and you crash and burn, you know, because you realize, like, I'm doing this. And I think that that's what happened to Peter. Peter gets, like, like I said, I think yards away from the boat. 
And he's like, I am walking on water. And then the next thought is, that wave is really big. And he starts to sink. And then when he starts to sink, like he can't get that mojo back, you know, of like I was walking on water. And so he just like, you know, he takes on a bunch of water. Like he's acting like he drowns, but like he's a fisherman and he knows how to swim. And yeah, I don't get it. And Jesus comes and tells him, you had little faith. Why don't you believe in me? But the twist there is, I don't think that's exactly what Jesus said. It's what the writer wrote. I think Jesus was saying, hey, Peter, you were walking on water. Why did you doubt yourself? Last week, last few weeks have been amazing here at Morningstar. I want to say that it's probably one of the best Lenten and uh, Easter seasons we've had here in a while. I mean, we we had we we kicked it off with a, a really great Lenten exercise of like taking a look at spiritual uh, practices and spiritual discipleship. And then we get into uh, Palm Sunday, and Ross preached a great sermon where he kind of mapped out the whole week with us, because it wasn't just like, you know, Palm Sunday, and then like Good Friday, and then like the resurrection. No, there was like a bunch of days in between, and and stuff happened. And then we, you know, so we, we found out what happened on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we seemed to kind of be able to understand the story a little bit better than we did before. And then we came to Good Friday and we have like this time to stop and reflect and remember what the day is about and what happened. We have a time to stop and reflect and possibly put ourselves in the shoes of Peter. Peter, who denied Christ Three times. I guess with any story, when you're thinking about Easter, like it's it's got to have a you got to have a good protagonist and a good antagonist. And so, yes, Jesus like makes an awesome protagonist. And mm, I don't know, Judas as the antagonist. Kind of wonder about that. And the reason being is because we get to. John chapter 21, verses 1 through 18. I'm not going to read them for you because it's a lot. But it's 43 days later or so after Good Friday, after the crucifixion. And John and the disciples, I think in their kind of their wandering, their meandering, their, their grief, their like, what do we do now kind of state. Like, wow, it was a really awesome three years, like, where do we go from here? They somehow, some way, find themselves back at the Sea of Galilee. And they watch the sunset. And Peter turns to the rest of them and says, I'm going fishing. Because it's the only thing he knows what to do. So they get the boat ready, they get the nets. 
and they go out. And they come back in the next morning, and Jesus is there. I think he went back to the Sea of Galilee too, kind of like at the beginning, kind of going back to where it all started. It's kind of like a really great bromance movie. Can you picture it? <laughs> oh, Ross. You sesquipedalian, you. Thanks. <laughs> Jesus is walking on the beach, you know, and he wants to experience the sunrise and he looks out and he sees a boat and he already knows who it is. And well, Jesus being Jesus, somehow there's two fish and five loaves of bread and he cooks breakfast. And as the boat gets closer, he yells out, hey, how was the fishing? And Peter, you know, being Peter, it was really bad. We didn't catch a thing. And so Jesus yells out, well, hey, take your net, throw it over to the other side, and you'll catch a bunch of fish. And I think Peter is like, this guy. Like, really? But they take the net out, and they throw it to the other side. And then I think it's in that moment, right there, right there, right in that moment, that Peter realizes, dude, that's Jesus. And he takes off his clothes and jumps in the water. And he swims to shore. Puts him on. So I'm like, hey, it's my story. So anyways. See, there's the message. You know, are you guys familiar with the message? Yeah? And then there's Stuart. Um, So he swims to shore. And, you know, the, the rest of the disciples get there. And they have this really great breakfast. And, they, you know, they're talking to Jesus. And uh, I, I, I kind of see Peter kind of taking co- over the whole conversation, you know, like, oh, Jesus, you know, like it was March Madness. And we all filled out brackets and we threw in some denarii. And, you know, we were going to do this pool and uh, we had like a little trophy and uh, and we were going to give it out. And, and so, like, you know, uh, Andrew was playing for Nazareth and, I, you know, I'm playing for the Sea of Galilee and, uh, you know, uh, Thomas, well, Thomas didn't think any of us were going to be able to do this at all. And, you know, they're just going on and on. And, he's, and then, you know, the conversation shifts a little bit, you know, like, hey, you know, remember that time we did this? Or, hey, remember when we were walking down the road and you told us this story or, or this parable? Or, hey, you know, this thing. And I mean, I think that they're having kind of like a time laughing, rekindling what to some extent they feel is lost and or broken never to be regained or captured again. And so in the middle of this carousing, this breakfast, like I think it's like the best fellowship, it's the best time, it's the best of everything. And Jesus says, hey Peter, let's go for a walk. And they walk along the beach and Peter still being Peter and all like kind of excited and riled up, you know, talking about, yeah, and then this team, like, you know, University of Maryland, Baltimore College, like beats Virginia and blah, blah, blah. And, blah, 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 blah. and Jesus, like, out of nowhere, Peter, do you love me? And Peter just, oh, yeah, yeah, hey, sure, no problem. And then he keeps talking and, blah, 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 you know, going on and on and on. And, and, uh, and then they almost beat Kansas State. Like, it was a miracle. Blah, blah, you, oh, oh, well, you know about miracles. And, you know, kind of goes on and everything. And then Jesus tells him again, like, do you love me? 
See, I think there's more to it. You know, Ross actually talked about it. That word love has like an expanded meaning. And he's talking to Peter like about that, like he's like in this huge like expansion of the word love, the definition of. And it's it's not just, you know, this way, like it's like this way and, you know, it's huge. Like it's, it's like that roadside attraction, like the biggest ball of yarn. It's like that. And the third time, I think Jesus intensely slows it down. Like Peter, shut up. Listen to me. Do you love me? And I think Peter stops to think about the question, really think about it. Because he gets it in that moment. He knows, Jesus knows that Peter loves him. He knows. What he's asking Peter is, why did you doubt yourself three times? See, Peter didn't have it, the guts at that point in time to say, yes, I'm his disciple. So I ask you this question. It's rhetorical. You do not have to answer. Why is it? And I'm going to go to the collective we. Is it that we doubt ourselves? We doubt our God-given talent. We doubt our God-given faith. We doubt our God-given abilities. We doubt. And then we deny. In your sermon notes... You have a little card. It looks like this. And on the back of it says, I'm stepping up here at Morningstar. And you can put your name and your email address. And we have nine categories. We've made it really simple. Media, auto, photo, care, kids or youth, worship, greeting, outreach events, hospitality, building, outdoors, office, clerical. Nine simple gifts. Nine simple ways to serve. And we don't ask you to commit your life to that forever. All we're asking is for six months. From July to December 31st. And if your skill set, you believe, is not on there, that's fine. Write in there what you think you can do. Because you can do it. And there's no need for you to doubt yourself. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.